invite your attention to Psalm 37. Psalm 37. And uh, for the next uh, tonight and the next couple of Sunday nights, I want to talk on, uh, to you about the subject, When Believers Get Bothered. When Believers uh, Get Bothered. Psalm 37 and 1 says, uh, Do not fret because of evildoers, nor be envious of the workers of iniquity, for they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. In Psalm 37 and 7, we find rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way. Because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. Verse 8. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret. It only causes harm. Do not fret. Do not fret. Do not fret. Three times in eight verses... God says something. Now, if he just says something, that's significant. We talked about that some this morning. When he says it three times, I think he kind of intends for us to get the message that he doesn't want us fretting. What exactly does that mean? Well, the Hebrew word is like all Hebrew words. It uh, shares a, a lot of different meanings. I mean, they had a very limited vocabulary, and so every Hebrew word uh, had to do double and triple and quadruple uh, duty, and I can only imagine how it, how it was. When they reinvented the language after it had been almost dead for so many years and had to come up with words like airplane and uh, pilot and computer and all those things. I can only imagine what modern Hebrew looks like. I had enough trouble with the old variety. I just thank the Lord for things like Strong's and computer programs. They're wonderful. <clears throat> you don't have to study that stuff quite so hard. No offense to our language guru over here <laughs> in the corner, Brother Keith Holland. Uh, loves language. A lot of people do. Uh, I wanted just enough to get past, but I know that uh, the Hebrew word fret uh, had to do with uh, uh, something being kindled. You ever tried to kindle a fire uh, by rubbing stuff together? How'd that work for you? <laughs> uh, yeah, man, I tell you. Uh, kindle, uh, something to burn, to, be, to get hot. Uh, most frequently, though, it was used um, kind of a metaphorically to describe what happens when we burn with anger, when we are vexed. Or we're frustrated. Part of the meaning had to do with the rubbing together like we do when we're sitting and just folding our hands. Someone just so upset and they're just rubbing their hands, uh, almost rubbing their hands raw. Um, God said, don't do it. Do not fret. Three times, do not fret. Uh, I've been thinking about this passage because... Uh, there's a whole lot of people getting bothered in our world these days. Have y'all noticed that? Uh, it just seems like every time I turn around, somebody else, some other person, or some group of people are just really getting all upset about stuff. I mean, here's these perfectly innocent statues that have been standing around out there for 150 years, and now all of a sudden 
somebody's mad, got to tear them down. It's uh, bothering them. And I can understand that. Some of them, they say, I guess in a way that there are symbols of things that upset them. But I just wonder why all of a sudden they've become so upsetting. That, that's what puzzles me. And that's not the only thing. There are so many things that seemingly are just bothering people, getting them all upset, riled up. There's a, there's a lot of it going around. And like most bad things, I, I'm afraid it might be catching. <laughs> I don't, uh, you don't catch good health. But we do pick up on bad attitudes and bad things. And maybe it's simply because God knows that uh, there would always be this inclination among humanity to, for people to get upset, bothered about things that really shouldn't bother them. And maybe that's why he is so careful uh, to warn us about things that might upset us that might bother us. Uh, I read one time a pastor who related the story of leaving on a trip, a long trip, and a good friend of his, a preacher brother, said, well, brothers, love God, hate sin, and keep an eye out for trucks. Love God, hate sin, watch out for trucks. And he went on to explain, he said, you know, there was a time in my life when I thought that if you love God and hate sin... You wouldn't have to watch out for trucks. Uh, that God would kind of watch out for him for you. But you know, it doesn't take you long driving up down 40, uh, I-40 that you know that even though you're a good Christian and you love God and you hate sin and you're trying to live for him, you still got to watch out for trucks. And trucks have got to watch out for us. And all our truck driver buddies in the audience would say, Amen, Amen. It's... Uh, Four-wheelers, we uh, do our share of, of rather strange things from time to time. Um, <clears throat> he was using that as an example of how that uh, just being a Christian, the fact that we are Christians doesn't insulate us or isolate us from the possibility of things happening uh, to us that are hurtful or bad or even... Uh, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't seem to give us any immunity to those things. And not only that, but as Christians, we in fact end up being bothered about things that maybe a lot of other people aren't bothered about. Sometimes we feel like that uh, we've almost got a target on us, that life is gaining, ganging up on us and and days in life and situations just seem to be coming at us. Maybe uh, the devil is doing it. But then we wonder, well, if, if he's doing it, why is God letting this happen? You see, things bother us as believers that maybe don't bother the general population in exactly the same way. We ask questions about things that maybe others don't question. I, I can't guarantee that. But uh, here in Psalm 37, God is giving us some instructions about the things that bother us. Some specific things that he brings up to mind. One of the things uh, that bother us as believers is that life doesn't always seem fair. Do not, be, do not fret, he said, because of evildoers, nor be envious of the workers of iniquity. It can bother us when... Evildoers, people who do not serve God, who don't love God, who don't live for Him at all. 
And yet they seem to be amazingly blessed. And that bothers us sometimes when me and my family are struggling or I'm hurting or I'm sick or I'm not doing well or somebody in my family or my kids aren't doing well and yet somebody else who does evil and maybe does evil to me, maybe does evil to you, takes advantage of us. And they seem to just go right on about life. And so God tells us, do not fret because of evildoers, nor be envious of the workers of iniquity. If we ever wonder if the devil is omniscient, then we need to understand he's not. Uh, He does apparently have access to our thoughts because Jesus in the parable of the sower talked about how the gospel is sowed and and, uh, uh, then the the birds would come and snatch it away and he said that's the work of the evil one. So I know that he does have some ability uh, to deal with things going in our mind. I don't know what, how how limited that is. I, I don't know. I wish I could tell you. But something goes on there. But I know one thing. I know that the devil doesn't know us as well as he thinks he does. And I know that from what he told Job a long time, what what he he said about Job a long time ago when he and God were having that dialogue. And Job had told him, you know, God said, well, have you seen my servant Job and and how he loves me and eschews evil? And, And the devil just said, well, yeah, but God, look what all you're doing for him. You're blessing him. You see, he he said, Job only loves you because you're blessing him. Take away everything, and he he won't love you anymore. You see, he doesn't know us. He doesn't know us. But, of course, he did. That's exactly what happened, and you know how the story played out. And then they came back again, and God brings him up again to the devil. Have you considered my servant Job, how he loves me? Even though he said, You stirred me up against him without a cause, for no reason. Interesting passage, by the way. And then the devil said something. This this is really what let me know that the devil doesn't know what makes us tick. He said, skin for skin, all that a man has, he'll give for his life. You let me touch his body. You let me touch him, and he'll curse you to your face. Remember that story? See, the devil doesn't know us at all. Because you and I know something. You and I know that Job would have taken the place of any one of those ten kids that died in the storm. He would have gladly took their place. You know it. I know it. Skin for skin, all that a man has he'll give for his life. That's not the truth. That's not us at all. He thinks that way. He thinks that way because, of course, he's that way. He gave up everything. For who? For himself. And so he projects that on everyone else. We struggle, though, when calamity comes our way. We would give our lives for others. We know that. And we struggle. We struggle then when God doesn't seem to be doing what we think is fair. Throughout all the centuries, we can't even number 
God can. God knows every one. But we can't even number the people who have died because they believed on Jesus Christ. We can't even number how many people have died because they believed on Christ in the last two or three or four years, in the last decade or so, since 2000. We know that churches have been wiped out of whole countries, that Christianity has, has been pushed underground, that you can't see any vestige of it in some countries anymore, no, no trace of it anywhere above ground. It, 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 it may be underground. God knows. We don't know. Lots of blood has been spilled by God's people. And God didn't stop it. He warned us ahead of time it might come to that. But it, 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 it's, it's, it's tough. It's tough when we see it going on over the wor- across the world. It's going to be even tougher when it comes and knocks on our door. It's not that necessarily that bad things happen to good people, but that good things happen to bad people then that really does make us struggle. We can deal with the fact that God's people suffer. We can even deal with the fact that I suffer, but the evildoers, the people who hate God and deny Him, who are doing everything they can to stamp out the name of Jesus Christ from the public arena, in our country, we wonder. It bothers us sometimes when things don't seem fair. But then he, he, he brings up the next thing. He says in verse 2, For they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. You, or herb. you see, God is giving us the answer uh, to the question really in a way before we even ask it. For yet a little while, verse 10, and the wicked shall be no more. Indeed, you will look carefully as for his place, but it shall be no more. And that second thing then that bothers us is when God doesn't seem to be doing things according with the timetable that we think he should. Yet a little while. My first experience that I can remember with a little while came from right in the back of a 1972 Galaxy 500 vehicle with my brother on one side and my sister on the other from Taylor, Arkansas to Midland, Texas. How far is it from Taylor, Arkansas to Midland, Texas? My Aunt Cleola and Uncle Guy and Cousin Bill and his wife and family lived out there. How far is it from Taylor, Arkansas to Midland, Texas? Forever. I can tell you how far it is. It's forever. It takes forever. I don't know how many times Dad said, we'll be there in just a little while. I figured out. I got it in my head that Dad operated on a different schedule than I did. Time to him was not the same that it was to me. I, that's the first time that, that I can remember that that really got drilled into my mind. It's a long, 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 long way from Taylor to and Dad was insistent that we were going to make it in one day, and we did. I think we left about 3 o'clock in the morning, and we might have got there at midnight, but, buddy, we was going to get there in a day, and we did. And we made it home in a day. 
No spending a night in a hotel for us. Uh-uh, not going to happen. We're going to make it. And we did. A little while. That's one of the things that bothers us is when we figure out that time is not as important to us, to God, as it is to us. Time is not as important to God as it is to us. Now, God has a way, you see, of taking care of the wicked, and He has a plan for that. Uh, you may think, it may seem to us, that, that people are, are committing uh, violence and, and being wicked, and they're doing it with impunity, that, that just nothing ever happens to them. There's no retaliation. They do it. They get away with it. They have not gotten away with it. Now, God will take care of it in a, in a little while. In a little while. They'll soon... Be taken care of but when God doesn't move the way that we think maybe he ought to move we have to wonder why now I touched on this a little bit on the message this morning so I don't want to go back through it a lot but do you guys remember when the earthquake hit uh, during the World Series a few years ago uh, in Oakland California you remember that and uh, remember how the freeways collapsed and all those people were caught there in, in the midst of that. You know, there, there's been a time or two in my life when I've, I've seen things happen and play out in, in our very country, when decisions were made and, and people did things that I have to admit, there's a part of me, I'm kind of like James and John, the sons of thunder, calling on God just to rain down fire from heaven. I said, you know, God, a good earthquake would fix some of this. I've thought that. But every time I think something like that, uh, I, well, maybe not every time, but sometimes when I think things like that, I, I think about those pictures, those freeways, just sandwiched down, and all those innocent people, all the children, families that, that died there. You remember what uh, God said to Jonah when he was talking about Nineveh? He said, you want me to destroy this city? You think that's such a neat thing? There's all these people in that city that doesn't know their left hand from their right hand. You want me to wipe this city out without giving them a chance? See, the long-suffering of God, we don't see that. God could move in judgment anytime he wanted to, but I, I'm, I'm going to tell you, when, when it happens, it's a catastrophic thing. Our God is long-suffering. He is. Because when he moves in judgment, it's catastrophic. And he knows that even if we forget. God will take care of it. He'll do it soon, and he's going to do it in his own way, in his own time. Remember, we serve the God who was willing to spare Sodom and Gomorrah. Sodom and Gomorrah for ten. righteous people God will soon take care of the wicked may not be in our time but he will but it bothers us when his soon is not our soon part of that is because we really don't have a full understanding of God and we can't because God is eternal and we're not uh, we live in the finite God says I am that I am and that's the meaning of, of the word we pronounce as Jehovah uh, but, of course, uh, that's not the way the Hebrews pronounced it. And you say, well, how do they pronounce it? <laughs> they don't. 
they never said that name aloud. If they were reading in Scripture, they found the word uh, Jehovah, uh, they would either substitute Elohim or they would just simply say the word and uh, they would not speak it aloud, still don't. If you look at an Orthodox Jew, when they write the name of God, they will leave the O out. That's not disrespect to them. That is their way of giving reverence to the holiness of the name of God. Now, when we think about God being the great I am, it doesn't mean that God doesn't acknowledge time. He does. But it just means there's something about a life, something about time that's more different. It's just different to God than it is to us. Moses decided he was ready to deliver the children of Israel when he was 40 years old. I'm not sure he had a real good plan. It had taken him a long time to deliver Israel, killing one Egyptian at a time. That would have been a, a long, long process, you know. But that, uh, it, not a real good plan, perhaps. And, and, of course, the people rejected him. He thought he was ready, but he was not ready. It wasn't the right time. God sent him instead out for 40 years to tend sheep in the wilderness. 40 years. Remember when Jesus went to the temple at 12 years old? And they put him to a test. How would you teachers like to put Jesus to a test? Give Jesus a test. They were going to test him on his doctrine, on his understanding of the scriptures. No wonder, three days later, they were still asking him questions. When they found him, I must be about my father's business, 12 years old. What did he do after that? He spent the next 18 years working in a carpenter shop. Eighteen years. We say, now, Lord, your people are suffering. They're in slavery. They need a deliverer. You got a man on the job. He's qualified. He knows what he's doing. He, he's educated. He's a great man, a great leader. He's 40 years old. He's at the top of his game. Lord, let, let's put him in. No, let's put him out here and let him tend sheep for 40 years. He, he needs to percolate a while. Lord Jesus is here to save the world. He's 12. You think of all the people that are going to die. Think of all the people who need healing. Think of all the people who need teaching. Let's turn him loose. Let's get this thing started. How long did Jesus spend in his earthly ministry? About three years. How long did he spend in the carpenter shop? Nearly six times as much time making furniture than he spent changing the world. You see, God doesn't see time the way you and I do. Time is everything to us, but timing, timing is everything to God. And we need to, we need to understand that as, as best we can, that with God it's not just about the passing of time. That doesn't seem to bother him like it bothers us. And part of the reason for that is because God has an understanding of what is truly valuable 
in life and in the world. What really matters? What really matters is not that something be done in a specified time period and because, you know, we've only got so many years and so many days, so many months and, and we want to make sure they're well spent. I've only got so much time, God, and that's what's valuable to us. Uh, but it's not valuable at all to the one who is eternal. Not, not time, timing. And so we have a different value system. You know, Nancy and I like different television shows. Uh, I, I like to watch things. Uh, I like to watch hunting shows, sports, and the, the occasional scary show. I, my motto is if somebody's not whispering or, or shouting or screaming, uh, it ain't worth watching. Uh, hunting shows, sports, and scary movies. That, that's about it for me. Um, not completely. I'll watch a few other things. But Nancy likes all those home improvement shows. You know, she watched them by the hour and hour. Uh, I don't, I'm not even sure it's still on, but you remember that show where they, they would come in and they'd have this house and this house would just be full of stuff and, and they're going to come in and clean it out and they'd tell them, they'd give them whoever it was, husband and wife, they give them a few minutes now, you, this is your corner, and you pick out what you've just got to have and what's really valuable to you, and you put it in that corner, and then they'd come through and clean everything else out. I thought, man, wouldn't that be something? Nancy and I, you know, we tend to be a, a little bit of collectors of things. Uh, um, we do. But I thought about that. You know, if that ever happened to me, I know what I would do. I, I, it wouldn't take me five minutes to get everything ready that I needed. I would put one chair myself and at least two of my pistols over there in the corner. <laughs> That's all I need because I would be sitting there saying, you ain't taking my stuff. <laughs> ain't going to happen. Now, you have all the Nancy's stuff, but you ain't taking my stuff. Uh-uh. <laughs> Just give me a chair and two pistols, and I'm done. I'm teasing, okay? Show ain't even on anymore. But, uh, isn't it amazing how quickly we get attached to stuff that we think we can't live without? And we get really upset then when God is not as impressed with our stuff as we are, or maybe impressed with the things that we think are valuable and essential that we are. The fact is, God knows we can do without a lot more than we think we can. And occasionally, He has to tell us, because He's not, he's not, he's not going to respond so much, I don't think, to all of our stuff. He's, he's a whole lot more interested in our wholeness, being a whole person, and our holiness our wholeness and our holiness. He's more interested in the quality of our light than the quantity of our life. Second Corinthians chapter 4. For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness who is shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ but we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that's the body, our life, that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, Let your light so shine before men 
that they may see your good works, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father, not you and me, but your Father, which is in heaven. Wow. Let your light so shine so that the people that we're around on a daily, weekly, monthly basis will understand that the light that shines in our life is not our own. We're like the moon. We just reflect it. God is shining in our hearts and enabling us and equipping us then to do works that give Him glory, not us, give Him glory. Well, sometimes we get bothered by things and part of the reason is because we just, we don't know. We don't know God. We don't, it's hard for us to know God in the way that He lives and His eternal now. He doesn't have the same sense of time. He doesn't have the same values. He doesn't think the same way that we do. We project that on Him, but that's, that's not really real. And a lot of times it, it's because we just... God's soon is, is, is not our soon. His uh, soon be cut off. The way he's dealing with things is, is not at all the way we'd deal with it. Sometimes we, we fret. Not only because bad things happen to good people, but sometimes we fret because good things happen to bad people. And God has a simple answer, and he repeats it three times. Do not fret. Don't let it bother you. Don't let it bother you. Now I'm glad he didn't just stop there because uh, although I'm going to have to stop here, I, I hope uh, uh, that you guys will come back next Sunday night and the next one as we talk about uh, because it, it's kind of one of those negative things if we say don't think about peanut butter. Our tongue starts coming thick and thin. <clears throat> you can't. Don't fret. Well, what are you going to do instead? That's the big question. And, and thankfully, he answers those questions. What do we do instead of letting things just bother us? How do we deal with it? What do we do? Instead of being bothered by this thing that's been done that's wrong and the fact that God hadn't responded to it as quickly as we would like or in the way that we would like, instead of just being bothered by this, what do we do instead? And that's where uh, we'll, uh, we'll pick up next week with verse 3. Trust in the Lord and do good. Trust in the Lord and do good. And I hope you'll come back for that message. But in the meantime tonight, we want to give you the opportunity also to respond to God in whatever way that means for you tonight. You may have somebody in this building tonight that needs to be saved. When I say trust in the Lord, that's something that has a special meaning to you because you've never trusted Him as your Savior. Jesus said, Whosoever believeth on me should not perish but have everlasting life. And if you'll believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, the fact that He died for your sins and, and was buried and rose again for your sins, if you'll put... Your trust in Him. You'll believe on Him. Receive Him as your Savior. He'll save your soul tonight. 
And you'll find out that it is indeed sweet to trust in Jesus. Maybe you've been saved, but you never followed him in baptism. Maybe you need a church home and you feel like God is leading you to be a part of this church family. Maybe there's just something that's been really bothering you. And you've been convicted tonight. I need to bring this to the Lord. This altar's here. It's what it's there for. One of the things it's there for. Give us the opportunity of just responding in a public way, maybe. I don't know what's on your heart, but God does and you do. Bring it to Him. Let's stand together, please.